Merchofsky here. Great to be with you, your favorite cisgender radio host, here for your triggering pleasure on News Talk 840 KXNT, the What's Right show, dead ahead. Now, I told you 44 days ago when Liz Truss became Prime Minister of Great Britain that she was not someone to rally around. I told you she was a phony, that she went around pretending to look like Thatcher, dress like Thatcher, even affect some of the Iron Lady's speech, mannerisms, etc. Now, I understand that in this, in this world where, I guess, if you simulate being a woman, you are a woman, and nobody can say anything to the contrary— I suppose by those rules, if you cosplay Thatcher, you are Thatcher. Of course, uh, that's all true until you're not. And trust from the beginning was just a vapid, nothing candidate for prime minister. The very first thing that she did, and of course she came out to be a great conservative and she was going to be a reformer and this and that. First thing she did was put together a cabinet based entirely on race. Putting a bunch of, you know, folks in there that, well, I mean, you remember her, her financial guy quit, I mean, he quit weeks ago, uh, what was a week and a half ago, in total disgrace, botching something that ought to have stimulated the economy and instead sent markets tumbling. I remember I saw a headline at some point when, when all of this was happening, and, and I thought, aha, this is it. This is why this is interesting. I mean, it's in England, it's happening in Great Britain, across the, uh, the Atlantic, who cares? Other than, I see this headline, and the headline reads, most diverse can- ca- uh, cabinet in the history of Great Britain. It was being celebrated in one of the usual left-wing newspapers. And I thought, okay, well, let's see how this goes. It's not going well. So, of course, you may have heard Liz Truss out after 44 days, became the shortest-serving prime minister in British history. You'll remember she was uh, sworn in uh, uh, by Queen Elizabeth, I think, a day or two before she passed. Uh, So this, uh, of course, being the, oh, she was the last prime minister to serve uh, Queen Elizabeth. I mean, all of this completely foreseeable. And in my view, there's a lesson in all of this for us here as Republicans and as conservatives. Because the conservative party in England, of which uh, Liz Truss is a member, is now in complete and total disarray. They're even talking about bringing back Boris Johnson, who was, you know, kicked out the door, resigned in disgrace, uh, mostly having to do with, uh, you know, various do as I say, but not as I do scandals related to COVID. Now, uh, I, that's, I, I don't, I'm not a fan of Boris Johnson returning. I'm not a fan even of, of Rishi as a, as a you know, supposed 
uh, Phil, and the, the, the lesson, though, here for us in the U.S. and why this matters is, is we have to, going into 24, have a vigorous and open competition for the job. The only person that can lead us through all of this that we're in, this mess, to clean up the Biden disaster, that has to be someone that is put through the primary ringer. The reason Liz Trust failed is it's a, it's a backroom deal. And this is how par parliamentary you know, democracies work, particularly when it's a cabinet being formed, a government being formed in between elections. There's no mandate. The prime minister is selected by the party, whichever party has majority seats in parliament. Now, we as Republicans, we as conservatives in this country need to make sure that our candidate is the best possible candidate. And of course, you know, there are different factions right now. There's some, uh, many uh, who want Trump. Uh, DeSantis has a following. There's some others you know, that are distant third, fourths, and fifths. And I'm, I'm a firm believer in, in, in having, a, again, a competitive, open primary so that the person that emerges from it is the best person for the job. And that person needs to be democratically selected. I, I, I know, and I had a number of you send me, and I listened to it when it came out, the Megyn Kelly podcast uh, conversation that she had with with Ruben from Ruben Report. Yeah, so this was the conversation, right? The conversation was about DeSantis versus Trump. And I don't have the clip here in front of me, but but nonetheless, the Megan Kelly's assertion is, look, you know, DeSantis doesn't stand a chance if he runs head to head with Trump. And her posit, her theory is, of course, that, um, that Donald Trump is a kind of candidate just sucks all the oxygen out of the room, gets all the attention when he's on stage. He is really, and we know this, right? He's an incredible debater and can run, run roughshod with his charisma and his command of, of persona uh, over any opponent. I don't, think, I don't think she's wrong, by the way. I, I, I you know, I, I don't. But the other component of this is, is that I still think that we going into the primary shouldn't be having conversations about certain people sitting it out. And I mean that both ways. I say this to DeSantis people and to Trump people. You know, DeSantis shouldn't sit it out just because a lot of smart people in the room think that he doesn't have a chance against Trump. DeSantis shouldn't sit it out because uh, people feel that this is Trump's moment, that he was cheated perhaps out of a second term, and in fact, uh, more accurately, cheated even out of a first term by virtue of all this nonsense that was lobbed his way. Conversely, you know, it's, um, you, know, you know, DeSantis also has a right to run and ought to run. And we ought to attract as many qualified, great candidates into this primary for 24 because the person we send against Biden or whoever they put in has to be the best of the best.
And not just to win, friends, not just to win the election, to take the election, get the prize, but that person has to be ready to govern. Because the kind of governing that it will take to get us out of the mess that we're in is significant. And I absolutely, uh, I absolutely believe that it's, it's, it's going to be a Herculean task to undo some of this uh, nightmare. So, by the way, speaking of the question of whether it's Biden that's going to run, the, fascinating, Democrats, it's changing rapidly, particularly in the lead up to the midterm election, which is telling because I think uh, there's a sense, a growing a feeling of, of doom impending doom and at, at how this election is panning out. And the, the blame is being laid at the feet largely of Democrats, fair, uh, of, of Biden, fairly or unfairly. And MSNBC, Morning Joe today, Willie Geist hosting, had a, talked about a focus group, and they, they, were, they were discussing this focus group and going back to a record of that. And here's uh, MSNBC political analyst Elise Jordan Again, this is this morning, uh, playing a clip from that Pennsylvania women's swing voters voting group. Swing voters, right? Not dying the wool Democrats, not, you know, hardcore Republicans, just middle of the road people, supposedly, women, being asked a very important question. Here it is. Should Joe Biden run again? No. 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 That was quick. Wow. <laughs> My sentence. Why My shouldn't camp. Joe Biden run again in 2024? Because too many people will not vote for him. No. I agree with you. He's in class, but you don't know if he's really in class. You could put anybody up next to him and they're going to get it. And that's not good. A lot of people think he's mentally unwell and I, maybe they think it's his age, his dementia, whatever. Again, if we had a doctor that would tell us that, it would be a different story. But I think he's getting a bad rap because of his age. But I don't think that he should run again. No, I don't think he could beat anybody. Yeah, that, that last person there is not a swing voter. That's a Democrat, right? He's, she's making apologies, uh, excuses for Biden, saying, you know, it's, it's getting discriminated against uh, because of his age, that it's a dementia thing. Okay. Uh, if only we had a doctor to explain it to us, but in the absence of a learned, you know, science-based expert. We really can't tell if there's a problem with Joe, right? <laughs> Gave you two words, made in America, right? I, sure, we need an expert. The third speaker, I think she is also uh, not necessarily a impartial middle-of-the-road swing voter, she says, you could put anybody up next to him and they're going to get it. And that's not good. Now, what she means is they could put anyone against him, run anyone against him. I think they mean, I think they mean Trump. They could put Trump up next to him and he's going to win. Get it means win. That, that opponent of Biden's, any opponent of Biden's would win. And that's not good. Again, this is not how independents talk. So my point is they're trying to say this is swing voters. I, I mean, I think these are, I think these are left-leaning people that are voicing their opinion, but it, it, in, in that sense, it's all the more, it would be all the more alarming to me were I a Democratic Party strategist 
because to me, this, you know, if you've got the canary in the mine and you know, the, the little birdie's, you know, dropping dead in the cage, <laughs> it's not going anywhere uh, fast for Joe. And with it, of course, the prospects of the party. So it, it's, it'll be interesting. Remember, I, they'll mix it up. They'll, they may very well change it up. Now, when we come back, I'll, I'll give you the response here because it's interesting too what the, now, you know, hearing this, t this type of conversation happening on Morning Joe, what is the, you know, what's the takeaway? What's, what, are the, what are the talking heads in the mainstream media t uh, saying about this? I think they're getting all of this wrong. I still think they're going with the wrong gut here. And that's part of what I'm running into as people are getting snarky with me that disagree. I, I, they're, they're focusing on the exact wrong issue right now. And I'll explain what I mean when we come back. Don't go anywhere. The What's Right Show continues after this on News Talk 840 KXNT. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Jury today found Kevin Spacey innocent of accusations that he molested Anthony Rapp. Uh, so just like that, that particular case is over. I uh, gotta wonder how much of Spacey's career was ruined over allegations that later turn out to be untrue in court. Uh, something to think about. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. This hour brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. Uh, look, Biden... <laughs> not long for this world politically. Uh, he has, uh, and I mentioned to you now, this uh, MSNBC focus group. The reason MSNBC, the most left-wing media outlet, mainstream media outlet uh, on, on TV now, is bringing this out, they're okaying this messaging because they want Biden gone. The freak out is happening inside the party. The true believers themselves, they're worried because they're not ready to go into the battle that is the next two years after the midterms with the guy that can't find his way off stage. And those of us who are political and, I don't know, we, we watch these things and observe and you know, follow the news, I think there's a, a collective sense that we agree this is getting worse. So after the MSNBC focus group, they say, well, no, no, absolutely. Do not run again. Biden's done all the independent, quote unquote, women in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, kind of a bellwether state. It's the reason why they're talking to people in Pennsylvania. They're, well, they're not asking, you know, they're not asking people in San Francisco, Right. So, okay, Pennsylvania. So then a discussion ensues on MSNBC about should Biden run. This part gets interesting. Should Joe Biden run again? No. no. Wait, my mistake. That was the original clip. Here's the discussion. I want to go back to the top of your first clip in Pittsburgh with those swing voters. An immediate <laughs> chorus of no's when you asked if you should run again. I was jarred by how quick it was. And these are female voters who 
They voted for Obama, some of them. Some of them voted for Trump. Some of them voted for Clinton. A lot of them voted for Biden. But they just do not see it as viable for President Biden to run for a second term. They simply think he's too old and they're not sure about his ability to do the job. Rants fleeing off a sinking ship. Biden is he's mortally wounded. I don't know how else to explain it. Now, I understand, right, he's not going to declare any intentions of uh, anything other than he's pressing forward and business as usual uh, through the election. But I predict in the next six months, we have, you know, we have a real power struggle within the Democratic Party for who runs. And this is, by the way, it's very important because whoever emerges as the anointed successor and the Democratic Party far more so than Republicans, select their nominee uh, instead, of, instead of vote for it. It's the structure of the, of the Democratic primary. The Democratic Party primary allows, gives a, a tremendous amount of weight to superdelegate voters, to people who are party grandees, important donors, etc., elected officials. So there is a the, the Democratic Party, the, the candidates do get a leg up. We saw this when Clinton ran against Bernie Sanders in 16. And, and the short version, of course, being that a lot of people put their, their, you know, their, their thumb on the scale. For Clinton, Clinton ultimately carried the nomination, but was not popular with the base of her party. Uh, and I think, you know, I've said this publicly and get a certain amount of, of, of uh, backlash for it, but I think that had Bernie Sanders carried the day for the Democrats, he would have been a far more formidable and dangerous opponent to Trump in 16. Perhaps even could have won the presidency, gosh forbid. So this is what it is. Now, now they continue, folks, they continue doubling down on abortion and on democracy. We talked about this yesterday. It is still as bad of an idea as it was uh, when they started this. And I think because, well, okay. It, it, one, I think you, you, can't, you, can't, you can't misstate people's positions when there's a record. And we talked about this with a number of local races, everyone from, from Lombardo to uh, it's a lax salt to, to, uh, to, to, to uh, April Becker. Uh, folks have, have said what they've said on, on abortion, but they're getting attacked as if they were leaders of a, you know, a purist pro-life movement intent on nationalizing the issue. And everybody making the argument, I guess not the rank and file, you know, people who are making noise on Twitter, but the, but the folks that are thinking it through and that are the, the political, you know, consultants creating these ads are, are obviously are taking, uh, you know, no account of the fact that the actual law decided by the Supreme Court in Hobbes has what? An admonition, a directive that this matter of abortion be left to the states. So at the, again, at the, yes, at the national level, there's nothing to be done. If what, and this is what makes me so frustrated with what Lindsey Graham did, it was such a stunt, 
nationalizing it because it was it was unconstitutional. It would have been declared unconstitutional on its face. This matter has to be left for the states. It's such a losing proposition. And this is, by the way, why they continue to lie about it. And why, as I mentioned, they even here in Nevada pulled out an, a, a pro-abortion abortion doctor in an ad against April Becker, who is convicted of child abuse and accused of, of, of molesting sexual relations with young kids. Absolutely disgusting. Shame on these people. All right, when we come back, we will get into more of this and my dinner with Oscar Goodman. Don't go anywhere. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234 or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. Welcome back to the program. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Sam Marjofsky here, your host. Oh, what a day and what an evening. I want to share with you, friends, permit me, take a little break here from the usual uh, programming and, and tell you about a fun night that I went to with my, uh, my law partner, Ash, uh, from Sam and Ash, of course, the sponsor of this program. So we went, we were invited by our friend Jonathan Jossel, who's the CEO of the Plaza Hotel uh, downtown, uh, to one of the Oscar Goodman dinners, where the former mayor himself sits and regales us with stories of Vegas of yesterday, all while we eat fabulous food. And it was uh, I'll tell you, if you get a chance uh, to go to one of these dinners, they have them once every month or two, basically. And and Oscar Goodman, if you, I guess, uh, if you're from Vegas, you know who Oscar Goodman is. Uh, if you're not, I will tell you real fast, uh, very famous criminal defense attorney here in town for many years, represented all the, you know, most infamous mobsters. Oscar's an old school lawyer. He is, uh, wasn't his practice at all times, uh, had an excellent reputation for being ethical, dependable. Uh, and he really was, uh, you know, one of these people who stuck it to the government and, and many times rightfully so, uh, warring with some of the top prosecutors, federal prosecutors even, uh, here in Las Vegas. And so the, the idea, of course, is then, you know, Oscar becomes mayor of Las Vegas and a phenomenal mayor at that. And then when uh, he left office, it was uh, replaced by his wife, our good friend, Carolyn Goodman, who we love and support and are grateful to have leading the city of Las Vegas today. So uh, Oscar gets up and he's, he's doing a, just a, a marvelous job telling stories uh, from the past. And I, I have this thing I need to share with you because we're sitting there and it is a, it is at Oscar's, the restaurant inside Plaza Hotel, which is upstairs on the second level. It used to be the swimming pool. So if you're outside the street and you're, you're uh, on Main, Main and Fremont, and you look up, there's this glass dome that is over the port cachere that is the valet drive for the hotel. And yes, originally that used to be a pool, then ultimately converted into a restaurant. It's a great steakhouse. Uh, great spot to eat. A uh, Plaza Hotel's fantastic. Uh, so 
at any rate, we're sitting there. We are listening to a living legend who is telling stories. And by the way, not to, I'm just going to say, I mean, Oscar's what, in his 90s? He is telling stories. His brain is working a million miles. He just, he has it all at the tip of his tongue. He remembers names. He remembers incidents. I am jealous, personally, of his mental acuity. So, you know, um, age is not what this Biden thing is all about. There's a problem. And Oscar doesn't have it. He's drinking his signature martini. God bless him. By the way, he's a gin martini guy. So he and I are very much simpatico on that, uh, on that, that front. And he's sharing these stories. And there's this one table in an otherwise riveted restaurant full of people who won't shut up. I don't know how else to put it. They're just, they're gabbing away and, and ignoring completely what's going on over here. So what I love is that, is that Jonathan, uh, who's the CEO of, of the Plaza Hotel, he actually points to his security guy and sends him over there to tell him to shut the F up. I mean, he, I'm sure they were diplomatic about it, but he got the table to quiet down. And I, you know, I thought, you know, I, I, that was a moment that I thought that was going to take the cake of the evening. But it didn't. And I'll share something with you uh, that, that really surprised me because after the dinner, I um, was talking to a friend, actually, Scott Robin, Vital Vegas. We've had him here on the program before, a very influential blogger here in town, great guy. And after I left that conversation, I, I walked off and we began talking to some people that we know uh, here in town. And the, the, the wife basically, and this was not the talking table, but the wife basically says something to the effect of like, wow, that went on forever, the meaning, the talking. And it struck me that one of, the, one of the core things about me that separates me from, I guess, some other people is my reverence for the past. I have a love of history. And I have an admiration for people, anyone who has done great work in their life. There is, I, I, I mean, there are some exceptions, of course. There's not much I'm going to learn from an 18-year-old. I mean, my kids, they teach me things all the time, things like patience and uh, some other very important skills. But you know, I'm not, you know, a 20-year-old, an 18-year-old, a 21-year-old, they're not going to really give me much. A 90-year-old, particularly one who has lived the life of Oscar Goodman, I could listen to Oscar talk all day and all night. I would bring toothpicks to put them up, keep my, you know, <laughs> my eyelids propped up. I, I, I mean, there's no end to it. And if, you know, we do have a fair amount of young, younger people listening and my, my advice to you is uh, do not be the person that made that comment, ever. Surround yourself with accomplished, interesting, older people. 
they will enrich you and your life immeasurably. And when I look at my personal success, and I, you know, again, I'm not, you know, the, the number one most successful person out there, but I've done okay. And I credit, I credit my success 100% to always wanting to surround myself with older and, um, you know, accomplished role models. I wasn't out, you know, in my teens and 20s looking for friends. I was looking for role models. I was looking for mentors. And the problem that we have today, and, and by the way, this, this gal that said what she said was no spring chicken, but I'm, that aside, with kids, the problem is they, they, don't, they don't want, the, we've lost in our society a respect a necessary respect for age, for experience, for wisdom. We dismiss older people with the really awful phrase that I despise, okay, boomer, right? Have you heard that? Okay, just okay, boomer, you know, I'm not interested to hear what you have to say, grandpa. And if you've got kids right now, if they're younger, make sure your kids grow up respecting older people. Stop behaviors that show any amount of disrespect to folks that are more experienced or, or, or have you know, more advanced in years uh, than, than your kids. And th this is a, such an important thing. Uh, and I, I it, it actually, I left there, I was, I had such a fantastic evening, but that particular moment uh, kind of broke my heart a little bit and, and changed how I, how, how I viewed this particular person. And so, yeah, I, I, but I wanted to share this with you because we, we're friends and, and we, we, we have a, uh, this hour together every, every weekday and, and we get caught up in a lot of the stuff that's going on sometimes, but I, this, this particular moment was it was so Vegas, listening to Oscar Goodman, listening to, and, and being surrounded by people, all of them, by the way, in that room, there were, there are people you would know, right? I was sitting next to uh, Stavros Anthony, who's running for um, Lieutenant Governor. He's gonna be our next Lieutenant Governor, I was sitting there with the mayor. I, we just, we had a, a tremendous group of people. And, um, and then somebody comes along and just goes, I just wanted all that talking to stop. Absolutely un real. All right. AOC. Speaking of someone who ought to listen to their elders, she had a little problem last night. I'm going to play you the audio because I cannot get enough of this. Forgive me. Don't go anywhere. Let's have a laugh together when I come back. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Sam Marjofsky here. Now we are brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. One thing I want to mention here is uh, a lot of times people will call me and say, uh, what are your fees? I want to get a lawyer who has the lowest possible fee. And I always take a deep breath in because I think in this particular moment, the person I'm talking to has it all wrong. 
Because what they don't realize is that you, you hire a lawyer on a budget and you get budget results. You want a lawyer who invests in your case. Maybe they cost a, you know, a few percent more, but they'll get you a better result because they have the means and infrastructure to build your case into what it needs to be. Now, the example I, I give, uh, and I've, I've seen this happen all the time, I've taken over cases from budget lawyers here in town. We take them all the time. People are frustrated, their cases aren't getting handled, or they have an offer and they don't like the offer. So recently, we took a case in that was had a you know $10,000 offer on it, and, and it was a, a, a law firm that was charging, like I, I don't know what the fee was, 30%. 30%. And I said, well, our fee's gonna be higher but we're going to, we believe we can get you more money. So give us a try. And we did. We, we, got, the, we got the settlement up to $100,000. So you do the math, right? Yeah, you paid a few percentage points more, but you ended up, the client ended up with, with basically 6x the return. And that's where quality matters. Not to mention, of course, you get better communication, better service, better health access to medical, medical care, et cetera. So Sam and Ash Injury Law, that's my firm. Ash, my partner, she's tremendous. We have a great team of people, happy, hardworking, dedicated. You can call us anytime, 702-820-1234, 702-820-1234. You can text us even at that number, believe it or not. 702-820-1234. Find us on our website. Uh, what is that? Sam and Ash Law, thank you samandashlaw.com, and my email, and always you can email me. By the way, I really enjoy getting your emails. Just uh, moments ago, got one from Brian, a uh, listener here on the program, uh, very happy with what we're doing here. So I, I, I love hearing from you, sam at samandashlaw.com. Wonderful. All right, so where are we with this? AOC last night had a town hall meeting in her district and the people there turned on her. Now, in this moment of her getting heckled, and it was, it was awkward even before that because I guess the lights went out. That's right, the, the, the lights went out in the room. And I don't know if this is something her staff tried to do to reset the, uh, the, the mood or the atmosphere, but the lights go out, they come back on, and then AOC starts doing some weird, weird talking. Listen to her go crazy all right all right listen all right listen listen okay listen what the heck i you know you know what i think when i i saw the whole video and looked at this was trying to figure out what the h was going on when when confronted most of these people have literally nothing to say when the crowd turns angry, all they know how to do is either get angry back, and we've seen that, you know, when she gets confronted by conservative bloggers and she begins to yell that it's sexism and racism and whatever. And when she's getting confronted by, quote unquote, her own people, she, what does she do? You can't see it, by the way, in the, in, in, this is radio, so I have to present you here a theater of the mind. Uh, but you have you have AOC kind of sitting on the stage, 
like, I don't know, like a camp counselor somewhere in the Poconos. All right. She's sitting there on the stage like, oh, shucks. You know, oh, what are we going to talk about? You're a gosh damn congresswoman. That, what the frick? I, I mean, I, look, it's just the body language. And then she begins like doing this awkward dance, <gasps> dance. And then, you know, she's busting out this fake Latina accent. Listen, okay, listen. I mean, we're turning that into a button. That's going to become, that's going to going, a, Robbie, we're making that permanent on the board. Uh, <laughs> because she has nothing. There's a set script. There's, you know, a list of seven big major grievances. And when the crowd, and that's what she's got, and she just repeats them over and over and over again. But the minute that it's her own folks that go after her, I, she's, she just devolves. And this is, this is so important to understand that some of these people really have no substance. Now, I've mentioned to you, I've, I've met her. She's, yes, I've, I've said this. She's charming and should not be underestimated. But this ideology, right, it's indefensible at the end of the day. And then when, when your own people come after you with pitchforks because they're not able to make their rent, you don't have anything to offer them. This is functionally very similar to why Liz Truss is out of office after 44 days of being British Prime Minister. She decided that she was going to be, I don't know, transformative. She was going to invite everybody into her cabinet that looked a certain color and was, you know, getting all the accolades from the left. And then when it all went to hell, because guess what? She didn't hire people based on what? Huh substance right when she hired people based on you know their multicultural quotient then suddenly you know the 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 stuff hit the fan because you you had you had people in positions that had no business being in them including her make no mistake the conservative party in england picked liz trust because she was a woman is a woman, I guess. Maybe you can never know. You know, these things are transitory. But I think she's still a woman. They get, and that's what it is with AOC. It's all based on you know what boxes you check, what you what you know, <laughs> what your alignment is, what you look like. You know, being being a female Latina. I got it. All right, super. But none of that matters even to the left when the economy is going into the toilet. And so my sense right now of where things are politically uh, is one, you see, you know, the, the, the Biden camp is, you know, people are turning against uh, the great leader. Um, there's, there's a likely going to be a replacement at the top there, um, I, I just, I think uh, I, there's that. Up against that backdrop, of course, is a frantic effort to indict Trump, get him on anything. Which, as I've explained to you, is a major miscalculation because every time, it, by the way, it's all always been rushed, right? There's always been a quick, you know, concerted 
push effort up against the clock to get rid of Trump, to get rid of him before, but get him destroyed before the midterms in 20, excuse me, in 18, to get him destroyed before 20, now to get him destroyed before 22, of course, mortally wounding him before he can run uh, in earnest in 23, 24, because the primaries will, will start heating up soon. So I think all these things backfire. And then, of course, you, you know, you've, you've, got, you've got this economy that has just been put in the toilet by these insane people. And we didn't get to it today, but of course you have Stacey Abrams and, 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 and even Joe Biden talking about how, how abortion and inflation are connected. Stacey Abrams talking about how, oh, it's, you know, having kids is, is actually inflationary. You know, if we only could just abort more kids, we would really get inflation under control. And the, the, the fact that they're letting these words come out of their mouths tells you everything you need to know about how desperate they're getting. I hope you're enjoying it as much as I do because I think it's marvelous to see it just unravel before our very eyes. All right, friends, it's a good time to be alive and to be an American. I love this country. I love Las Vegas and I love all of you. Thank you for listening. I'll be back here tomorrow, Friday, here on News Talk 840 KXNT.